Welcome to Pro Life in 7 Minutes, the show where I spend over 20 minutes teaching you how you can persuade a pro choice person in only 7. I'm your host, Katherine Burrow. I'm the co founder and executive director of the Abortion Dialogue Academy, also known as ADA. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. So, today's episode is going to be on animal rights and infanticide. Now, you might be like, okay, well, what do these two things have in common? Well, what they have in common is if you remember from our personhood episode in season one, which, by the way, if you've not listened to all of season one, really going to strongly encourage you to go back and listen to that season because it's going to teach you the arguments I'm going to talk about in today's episode. So if you remember in season one, when we went through the personhood episode, the first step in the personhood section is to get the purchase person to agree with you that adults and newborns are people and animals are not people. Most purchase people you talk to are going to have no issue with that sentence. They're going to be like, yes, adults and newborns, people, animals are not people. I 100% agree with you. But volunteers always want to be prepared for the exception to the rule. So I always get asked, what do you do when the purchase person is an animal rights activist and thinks that animals are people? Or what do you do if the purchase person supports infanticide? So that's what today's episode is going to be on. We're going to start by talking about infanticide. Funny but true story. In an earlier version of our training, we used to pair up volunteers and we would have one of them pretend to be pro-choice so that the other volunteer could practice having a conversation. Now, we quickly had to abandon that activity, though, because the student playing the pro-choice person would say some absolutely insane things that pro-choice people pretty much never say. And one of the most common things they would do is they would start promoting infanticide in the middle of the conversation, which was always very funny to me because pro-choice people, by and large, practically never support infanticide. Yet in the pro-life volunteer's mind, they thought there was a very real chance that they would meet someone later that week that supported infanticide and that their partner would need to practice responding to this. And I think this happens for a couple of reasons. As pro-life people, often we haven't spent very much time talking to pro-choice people. And so we typically view them as madmen, so to speak, who think it's okay to kill innocent children and It's kind of like, hey, well, if they think it's okay to kill children in the womb, why stop there? Why not kill newborns as well? So we tend to assume that a bunch of them are going to support infanticide. Additionally, there are some famous pro-choice philosophers like Peter Singer who do actually promote infanticide up to a certain point. I I believe his view is like up until self-awareness, but it doesn't really matter because The truth is, is that just because someone is famous and a big name in philosophy does not mean that their views are common amongst the average pro-choice person. That's one of the downsides of learning most of your apologetics by reading the famous pro-choice philosophers, because a lot of them have pretty weird niche views that are not representative of a regular pro-choice person. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you will absolutely never meet someone who promotes infanticide in a conversation on abortion. But that being said, the probability of that happening to you is probably the same as the probability of you getting attacked by a bear. In my career, personally, I've met like one person who 
was promoting infanticide. And I would be totally honest with you, I don't know if he was even serious. I think he was kind of just processing through a lot of the fringe philosophy he'd been reading in his intro to ethics classes. And what was so funny about this conversation is I remember it very distinctly. His buddies were standing right next to him and they're both pro-choice. And they both looked at him and they were like, dude, are you like out of your mind? Because I'm telling you right now, the average Joe pro-choice person does not think infanticide is okay. If you meet a pro-choice person who legitimately thinks that it should be legal to kill newborn babies, if you are that unlucky in your conversations that you meet that rare person, well, you should probably treat it like you would a bear that you saw hiking. Back away slowly. (laughs) Now, I say that to volunteers typically because they laugh a little bit, but that is genuinely my advice. And people hate this advice. Like, they hate it. And it's because as pro-life advocates, like, we want to have every single argument in our back pocket and know how to, like, win any and every debate that gets thrown at us. But the truth is, when you meet someone who supports infanticide, typically they have a very complex philosophical worldview that got them to that conclusion. For those, you know, 45 plus minutes that you spend talking to this one person, just trying to understand how they came to this conclusion that infanticide is okay. Well, in that same amount of time, you could have had three conversations with three more regular, normal, open-minded pro-choice people and potentially persuaded one of them. Which is why I always tell people that it's not the best use of your time to try and have a conversation with someone who supports infanticide. So if you happen to come across them, just thank them for their time and go find someone else to talk to. Next, we're going to talk about animal rights because animal rights is a more common view to come across. Still pretty fringe, but less so. Typically, when someone objects to this idea that animals are not people, it's because they don't understand what we mean when we're saying animals are not people in the very first step of personhood. Now, this is what's happening 90% of the time. They're just confused. So I always teach volunteers to start with our animal clarification step just because it's best to clarify, okay, is this person actually an animal rights activist? Or do they just like dogs and they weren't listening to us very closely? Our animal rights clarification is just to say to the pro-choice person, look, we're not arguing that animals should have no rights. All we're saying is that animals should not receive the same legal protection as adults and newborns. Now, if the pro-choice person you're talking to is like uncomfortable with our current farming practices, but still thinks that eating meat should be legal, this step is going to be all you'll need. The pro-choice person will be like, okay, I understand what you're saying. I agree with you. And you'll quickly be able to move on to the next step in the personhood section. Now, you will occasionally meet somebody who the animal rights clarification is insufficient for. So maybe they are a, a true animal rights activist. They're, they're a vegan. They're part of PETA. They care about the fair treatment of animals. Now, the thing with animal rights activists is they range anywhere from our laws need to do a better job protecting animals and their welfare to we need to outlaw eating meat and everyone should be a vegan. But the truth is that nothing about the animal rights worldview is incompatible with the pro-life worldview because we're making a very, very mild claim in this first step. We're arguing that animals should not receive the same legal protection as adults and newborns. So we're not commenting on what rights animals should receive. All we're saying is, is that they should not have equal rights to adults and newborns. And I'll explain what I mean by that with an analogy. Imagine a hypothetical world where eating meat is illegal and there is a man who stalks, hunts, shoots, kills, and eats a deer. 
and a man who stalks, hunts, shoots, kills, and eats a newborn. In this hypothetical scenario, we would all agree that the man who killed and ate the deer should not receive the same legal punishment as the man who killed and ate the human person. Notice how I'm not making a commentary on what punishment the man who killed the deer should receive. All I'm saying is that killing an animal and killing a human should not be treated as the same crime because animals and humans should not receive the same legal protection. They're not equally persons in the same way. Now, sometimes animal rights activists will call this speciesist. And it's funny, my volunteers always get a little thrown by the term speciesist. I think they're just kind of are like, okay, this person's crazy next. But the truth is, is that the purchase person is pointing something out that is a truth that's even woven into our argument. For whatever reason, as humans, we believe that our species deserves more legal protection than animals, even animals that have the same, if not more abilities than a newborn, for example. So my question to the pro-choice person is, do they think we shouldn't be speciesists? Because it's very true that we are, but do they view that as a problem, a failing, something that should change, that we should treat a deer and a newborn the same? Because commenting on a phenomenon and disagreeing with it are two different things. And typically, when you make the purchase person really answer you, they'll tell you that, yeah, in their gut, being speciesist feels like the right answer, even though they're not entirely sure why it is. Now, very, very, very rarely, though, you will find a purchase person who will do what we would call in philosophy, bite the bullet, so to speak, which is essentially where they just say, yeah, killing and eating a deer should be the same crime as killing and eating a newborn. So what do you do in that scenario? Well, my advice is going to be similar to the scenario where you run into someone who thinks infanticide's okay. Back away slowly, <laughs> keeping your eyes on them the whole time. And I know I, I jest, but really, truly, that is going to be the most effective thing to do. This is such an absurd Pure worldview. Like pro choice people, by and large, do not believe this. Spending your time and energy trying to wrestle through this worldview with this pro choice person, it's just not the most effective use of your time. Like, I know it's really hard for pro life advocates because we really want to be able to persuade everybody, but you need to be strategic about how you're talking about this issue. Like, if you're having a conversation with a pro choice person and they're so upset that they can't calm down, the conversation's not productive, you would recognize that it's not productive and you would end the conversation conversation and go talk to someone else. Well, the same thing is true when you run across someone who's got kind of a weird, extreme out there worldview that's not mainstream, that's not common, and that makes them really difficult to talk to and persuade because they don't even hold basic premises that most pro-choice people just believe to be fact. It would be much better to take the probably like 30 to 45 minutes you're going to spend beating your head against this wall and just go have like three or four more conversations. And you might actually persuade someone in one of those three or four more conversations because you're going to be running into more reasonable, more normal, more average pro-choice people who are going to be more open to talking about this issue and are not going to want to debate with you about things like whether or not a pigeon should have the same rights as a five-year-old. I hope today's episode was helpful to you. I have made a workbook page on the animal rights topic that includes that animal rights clarification step that I spoke about earlier in the episode. If you are on our email list, you should have already gotten that email to you. If you are not on our email list, but you would like to receive the free training resources from the show, you can sign up at www.abortiondialogacademy.org slash podcast or by clicking the link in the show notes below. Now, next week's episode is going to be on human cells and aliens. So 
This episode was on common objections that happen in the personhood part of our seven-minute argument. And next week's episode is on common objections that happen in the pro-life case part of our seven-minute argument. So tune in next week to learn that. If you liked today's episode, you can help support the channel by leaving us a five-star review. Make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, sign up for our podcast email list on our website. That's www.abortiondialogacademy.org slash podcast. That way you get all the training exercises from the show delivered right to your inbox. Now I will see all of you next Saturday as I continue to teach you how you can persuade someone to be pro-life in seven minutes. Until next week, God bless.